0: Welcome to Ratchet Book Club, where we read hood classics and good classics. I'm Derek. 916-633-1537. Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com. Ratchet Book Club on Twitter. Ratchet Book Club on Facebook. Chapter 6. Frantically, I ripped the blankets off my bed. In the dim light coming in through the window, I could see the rat, fat and hairy, its red eyes gleaming at me. I screamed again. Then I heard laughter down the hall. Chrissy's laughter. My stomach sank. I made my way to the switch and turned it on. Sure enough, the rat still stared at me from my bed, but now I recognized it. A gray rubber rat, one of Claus's favorite toys. In a room down the hall, Chrissy squealed with laughter. I'm going to get you, you little brat, I screamed. I thought about going down the hall and really thumping her, but I quickly decided against it. Even though Chrissy's only nine, she happens to be pretty strong. There was an excellent chance she could beat me up. With an angry growl, I grabbed the rat off my bed and heaved it into the corner of the room. Then, my heart still pounding with rage, I turned off the light and climbed back under the cover. Tomorrow, I promised myself in the dark room, tomorrow you, Gary Lutz, are going to check out that ad and find out if you can change your life. Even if it's for only a week, it has to be better than this miserable life you have now. This kid's life really is miserable. Like This isn't even funny. It's kind of sad. It's really sad. The next day, I kept my promise to myself. After breakfast, I walked the six blocks of Roach Street and started reading the street numbers trying to find number 113. I guess I was looking for some kind of big glass office building, but when I finally found number 113, it was on a small gray building that looked something like my dentist's office. A little sign on the outside read, Person of Person vacations, Suite 2B. I opened the door and walked up a flight of steps. At the top, I opened another door and went into a kind of a waiting room with beige carpeting and tan leather chairs. A dark-haired woman sat behind a big glass window. She smiled at me when I came in, and I walked over to talk to her. "'Good afternoon,' she said into a microphone. I jumped. Even though the woman was right in front of me, her voice came out through a speaker on the wall. "'Um, um,' I stammered nervously. "'I came about the message on the electronic bulletin board.' ''Oh yes,'' the woman replied with another smile. ''A lot of people learn about us from their computers. Pardon me for staying behind this glass shield, but the equipment behind me is so delicate, we have to be very careful about protecting it.'' I peered over the woman's shoulder. I could see gleaming metal counters and a wall of electronic equipment, including what appeared to be heart monitors, video screens, x-ray machines, and cameras. It looked like something right out of Star Trek.'' I suddenly had a heavy feeling in my stomach. Maybe this is a bad idea, I thought. You probably don't like kids hanging around in here, I stammered. I started backing away towards the door. Not true, she said. Many of our customers are young people such as you. A lot of kids are interested in changing places with someone else for a week. What did you say your name was? Gary. Gary Lutz. Nice to meet you, Gary. "'My name is Miss Carmen. How old are you? About 12?' I nodded. "'Come over here for a minute,' Miss Carmen said, motioning with her hand. Cautiously, I walked back over to the glass booth. She opened a little slot at the bottom of her window and pushed out a book. I picked it up and saw it was a photo album, like the one my parents had from their wedding. I opened it and started looking through it. "'It's kids!' I exclaimed. "'All about my age!' Correct said Miss Carmen. They're all interested in switching lives with someone else for a week. Wow, I studied the album. A lot of the kids in the picture look big and strong and cool. Kids like that wouldn't be afraid of anything, I told myself. I wonder what it would be like to be one of them. You can pick a boy or even a girl for that matter to trade places with for a week, Miss Carmen was saying. I just want to say real quick, that's pretty um revolutionary. For the age, for the year that this book came out. To say that, you know, if you've been living in the wrong body, you can live in this body of uh, the other gender for a week. That's pretty revolutionary, I gotta say. Also, yeah, um, you would think that you would want adults to be in there to sign off on this. But nope. Like, there's no adults. And The only thing I can think of is um, Pinocchio, that pleasure island where they all turn into donkeys. That's what I think of when I think of this. But how does it work, I asked. Do I just take over someone's room and live in his house for a week? Go to his school? Wear his clothes? The woman laughed. It's far more interesting than that, Gary. With our getaway vacations, you actually become the other person for a week. Huh? What we have, the woman explained, is the safe, painless way to switch one person's mind into another person's body. So while you'll know you're really you, no one else will recognize you, not even the other boy's parents. I was still confused, but what about my body? Does it get stored here? No, no. We hear a person to person will find someone else to take over your body for the week. Your parents will never even know you're gone. I looked down at my skinny body and wondered who would possibly want to borrow it for a week. Miss Carmen leaned forward in her chair. So what do you say? Are you interested, Gary?" I stared into her dark brown eyes and swallowed hard. I broke into a cold sweat. This whole thing was really weird and scary. Um, I said, I I don't know. I mean, I'm just not sure. Don't feel bad, Miss Carmen said. Many people take some time to get used to the idea of a body switch. You can think it over for as long as you wish. She took out a small camera. But in the meantime, would you mind if I took your picture? That way, we can find out if anyone's interested in being in your body for a week. Well, I guess it's okay, I replied. She snapped the picture, and the flash went off in front of my eyes. But I'm still not sure I want to go through with it. There's no obligation, Miss Carmen said. Why don't we leave it this way? You fill out a form describing yourself. Then I'll put your picture into our display album. And when we find someone to take your place, I'll call you to see if you've made up your mind. So if someone takes your place, then are you forced to take somebody else's place or are you just in limbo? I'm sure they're going to explain that soon, but I would ask that question. But then again, he's 12, so he's not really thinking about these things. Um, But yeah, that would be a big question. So I'm being forced out of my house. My body, his body is essentially an Airbnb and he's literally being forced out because somebody reserved it for a week. That's what it sounds like right now. I spent a few minutes filling out the form. I had to write down my name and address. Then I had to tell him all about my hobbies and how well I did in school and things like that. When I was finished, I handed it to Miss Carmen, said goodbye and walked out of the door. I made it most of the way home without getting in trouble. A block and a half from my house, I ran into my three most unfavored people in the world. Barry, Marv, and Carl. Hey, guys, Barry cried with an ugly smile. The klutz is up and walking around. That must mean we didn't do a very good job of pounding him yesterday. No, I insisted. You did a good job. You did a very good job, guys. I guess they didn't believe me. They all jumped me at once. When they were finally finished, about five minutes later, I lay on the ground and watched them walk away through one swollen black eye. Have a nice day, Marv called back to me. All three of them roared with laughter. I sat up and pounded the ground with my fist. I'm sick of this, I wailed. I want to be someone else, anybody else. Slowly and painfully, I dragged myself to my feet. I'm doing it, I decided, and nobody's going to stop me. Tomorrow I'm going to call person-to-person vacations. I want them to put me into somebody else's body as soon as they can. Why, why not go back? Just walk the six blocks back to person to person and get her done. Chapter 7. I spent the next few days changing my band and hoping the woman from person to person vacation would call me. At first, I ran to answer the phone every time it rang. But of course, it was never for me. Usually, it was one of Chrissy's dumb friends wanting to giggle and gossip at and. At the age of nine? Really? Okay. I didn't think, I I guess, I didn't think people giggled and gossiped at the age of nine. I thought that at the age of nine, it might have been, can you come outside to play, especially back in that day and age. But okay. One afternoon, I was reading a science fiction book in my usual spot behind the big maple tree. I heard a sound and peered around from behind the tree. Sure enough, there was Mr. Andretti walking across the lawn. He was dressed in his beekeeping outfit. As I watched, Mr. Andretti went to the screened-in area off the garage and started opening up the little doors to his beehives. Bzzz. I covered my ears, but I couldn't shut out the loud droning hum. How I hated that sound. It was just so frightening. It's really not. I shivered and decided it was time to go back inside. But I mean at the same time. If you're at a picnic or a barbecue, usually at a barbecue. If you're at a barbecue and you hear a buzz by your ear, you do freak out. Like, be real. Be real. I mean, I don't know if it's shock or surprise, but you hear a buzz by your ear, you usually jump up and start, you know, trying to fan it away. Here's a small tip for all y'all. If you're walking through a parking lot and you walk through a spider web, the worst thing to do is to start screaming and slapping at your face and whatever, trying to get the spiderweb out of your hair and out of your face and whatever it may be. The best thing to do is to tell somebody, I walked through a spiderweb. I got to clear this off. Because if you don't, then you're just in a parking lot, slapping at your face and hair while screaming and jumping around in circles. And nobody knows it's a spiderweb because it looks invisible. Just something to keep in mind. The more you know. I shivered and decided it was time to go back inside. As I climbed on my feet, A bullet-sized object shot right by my nose. A bee! Were the bees escaping for real this time? I gasped and stared over at Andretti's house. Then I almost choked. There was a big hole in the screen around the beekeeping area. A lot of bees were flying out. Ow! I cried out as a bee landed on the side of my head and buzzed loudly into my ear. Ow? Okay. Frantically, I batted it away. I have to really stop and remember what it was like to be 12. I know I had a bully when I was 11, so I know what it was like. So, yeah, okay. Frantically, I batted it away. Then I ran towards the house. For one wild moment, I thought about calling the police or maybe the paramedics. But as I slammed the back door, I heard an all too familiar sound. Ha, ha, ha. Once again, Mr. Andretti was laughing at me. Now, at that point in time... You escalate the situation like, dad, our next door neighbor's bullying me. Dad, our next door neighbor's doing this to me. Can you deal with this? Can you handle this? And your father should come out there and be like, yo, fam, you're going to want to stop this or else you're going to start something with me that you don't want to be involved in. That should be the conversation. And his dad should be noticing these things. The parents should be, I don't know. Like I said, this is the 90s, parents were a lot worse back then, but you would think that they wouldn't stand for their next door neighbor literally bullying their kid. I pounded my fist into my other hand. Oh, how I like to sock that guy on the nose, I thought. I was interrupted by the sound of the phone ringing. Give me a break, I cried as I stomped off to answer it. Don't Chrissy's moron friends have anything better to do than talk on the phone all day long? What do you want? I snarled into the mouthpiece. "'Is this Gary?' a woman's voice asked. "'Gary Letts?' "'Uh, yes,' I answered in surprise. "'I'm Gary.' "'Hi, Gary. "'This is Miss Carmen from Person to Person Vacations. "'Remember me?' "'My heart started thumping in my chest. "'Yes, I remember,' I answered. "'Well, if you're still interested, we found a match for you.' "'A match?' "'Correct,' said Miss Carmen. "'We found a boy who wants to switch bodies with you for a week.' Are you interested? You know, I saw this show once. I can't really say the name of it because this is a kid's book. But it was on MTV and it had a lot of guys doing a lot of stupid things. One of their names was Johnny Knoxville. I'm going to give you a second to realize what I'm talking about. The other one's name was Steve-O. There was Chris Pontius and all these type of people. Anyways, they also did movies. And one of the things they did during either their show or their movie was they rented a car. They went to a car rental agency. They rented a car. They paid for insurance for the car because they offered that for like thirty dollars. You get insurance, so if anything happens to the car, it's covered. Oh, blah, 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 blah. And then they took the car and they went to a demolition derby, and they entered the car into a demolition derby, and the car got wrecked, of course. And then after the car got wrecked in this demolition derby, dings and. Dunks and scrapes and scratches and bruises and all kind of stuff all over the car. Front fender, you know, bumper and all that kind of stuff just gone. They took the car back to the rental company and dropped it off. And was like, well, it's under insurance. No harm, no foul. I say all that to say, I don't know if I really want somebody else inhabiting my body. Because what if they decide to use my body to do something like I don't know, bungee jumping without a bungee cord that's long enough or a bungee cord that's too long? What if they wanna replicate some of the things they see on ridiculousness, but they're scared to do it to their own body, so they do it to my body? What if they wanna walk up to somebody who's been bullying them and go fight them using your body so if they get beat up, no harm, no foul, they'll they won't have any bruises later on. Mmm Mmm. I'm I don't I don't like it. I don't like it at all. Yeah, I entered your body into a jalapeno, into a habanero pepper eating contest. Yeah, good luck with that. Yeah, no. I hesitated for a few seconds. But then, as I gazed out the back door of the kitchen, I saw a big, fat bee throwing itself against the outside of my screen door. (laughs) Ha ha! Mr. Andretti's scornful laughter boomed across the backyard. My mouth tightened into a thin line. Yes, I said firmly. I'm really interested. When can we make the switch? Why, we could do it now, said Miss Carmen, if that's all right with you. My pulse raced, as I thought. My parents were both out for the afternoon, and Chrissy was playing at a friend's house. The timing was perfect. I'd never get another chance like this. Now it's great, I exclaimed. Terrific, Gary. It'll take me about 20 minutes to get to your house. I'll be waiting. W- wait. So what was all that important equipment for in the building if you're coming to my house? Like, why can't I just walk the six blocks back over to your building where everything is secured behind a bulletproof window that I can't get through? If I can't get through it, then I know nobody else can get through it. Why don't we just do this where you're at? Why do you want to do this in an unsanitary place like my house? If my wife heard me calling my place unsanitary, she'd probably murder y'all. So then you would never know that I called our place unsanitary. She'd probably kill me first. But she'd come after y'all eventually. The next 20 minutes seemed to take forever. While I waited, I paced back and forth in the living room, wondering what my new body would be like. It's a week, dog. It's not a... What would my new parents be like? My house? My clothes? Would I actually have some friends this time around? Oh, I wonder if this is where parents swap and wife swap and all those swap shows came from. Also, this whole storyline is... Vaguely reminiscent of Total Recall. Just saying. By the time Miss Carmen arrived, I was a wreck. When the doorbell rang, my hand was sweating so much I could barely turn the doorknob to let her in. Let's go in the kitchen, Miss Carmen suggested. I like to set up my equipment on the table. She opened a small case and took out some black boxes with monitors on them. I showed her the way to the kitchen. So, who's this kid who wants to switch places with me? I asked. His name is Dirk Davis. Not at all like Dirk Diggler. Dirk Davis, I thought excitedly. Even his name sounded cool. He pictures it in lights with like sparkles behind it and a glow. And he just sees it in his head, man. And it's just it's just like pow. And the name, the name is Dirk Diggler. You got the touch. <laughs> Sorry. The cool thing about that is because I didn't cuss and I didn't say any names, your kids have no idea what I'm talking about. You might not either. Talk to me later if you don't. Hit me on Twitter, Ratchet Book Club. What's he look like? Miss Carmen opened up a white photo album. Here's his picture, she said, passing it to me. I looked down at a picture of a tall, athletic-looking blonde boy in black Lycra biker shorts and a blue muscle shirt. I blinked in surprise. He looks like a surfer or something, I cried. Why in the world does he want to switch bodies with me? Is this some kind of trick? You know, thinking about it, I don't know if they ever had black people in these books. I just don't. I mean, I'm I'm thinking about it now. Also, nowadays, a horror story would be instead of Why I'm Afraid of bees, it would be Why I'm Afraid of Cops, and he would accidentally switch into a black kid's body And then the cops would have him sitting on a curb for no good reason while he begged for the cops to let him go home. And the cops had their hand on their guns. Yeah, that's a true story. Yeah, just read about this morning. Yeah, read about it again last month and a couple years ago and last year. It happens all the time. Miss Carmen smiled. Well, to be honest, it's not exactly your body he's interested in, Gary. He wants your mind. You see, Dirk needs someone who's good in math. He has some very hard math tests coming up in summer school, and he wants you to take them for him. So, your brain remains. So, you're. If your brain remains because you're literally. He's literally gonna use his brain to pass math, then you're. Are you really switching bodies? So, you're, he wants Gary to take over his body to pass his math test. This is not a request. So, that's how it works. If someone wants your body, you have to switch to another body. It's not a request. Okay. Oh, I said. I felt relieved. Well, I usually do pretty well on math tests. We know that, Gary. Person to person does his homework. You're very good at math. And Dirk's good at skateboarding. <laughs> I mean, theres I'm not laughing at skateboarders. That is dope. But if that's the only thing she could bring up, like, why do you love your husband? Because. He plays a mean guitar. Like, that's not a compliment. Just keep that in mind. I sat down at the table. <clears throat> A bee buzzed right under my nose. Hey, I yelled, jumping back up. How'd that bee get in here? Miss Carmen glanced up from her equipment. Your back door's open just a bit. Now, please sit down and try to relax. I need to fasten this strap around your wrist. With a nervous glance at the back door, I sat back down. Miss Carmen strapped a black band around my wrist. Then she started fiddling with some wires attached to one of her machines. Another bee flew in front of me and I wiggled around in my chair. Please sit still, Gary, otherwise the equipment won't work. Who can sit still with all these bees buzzing around in here, I asked. I lowered my eyes and saw three fat bees walking across the table. Uh, yeah, no. Dude, what you don't want to do is you want to keep these in control. Like, not funny. I'm going to murder your bees. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to just squish them. I mean, I know they're endangered now, but dude, like in my house? In my house? If I had a bee in my house, I would, I would, I don't know. I, I might catch it in a cup. I might, but if I'm scared of bees, I'm a murder it. And then I'm going to leave the murder thing in my house. So anybody else who came in was like, that was my cousin. Got to understand consequences. Another bee flew right past my right eye. What's up with all these bees? I was starting to panic. Don't pay any attention to them. Miss Carmen said, and they won't bother you. She made one more adjustment to her machine. Besides, Dirk Davis isn't afraid of bees, and as soon as I flip this switch, you won't be either. But, zzzzap! A blinding white light flashed in front of my eyes. I tried to cry out, but my breath caught in my throat. The light grew brighter, brighter, and then... I sank into a deep pool of blackness. How do they pay for this? Not person to person. They obviously don't care. They're just trying to get, I think they have a larger experiment idea going on that's going to involve adults, but they're using kids right now because kids are honestly naive. So that's why they're not charging them. But this should cost a lot of money, right? A body to buy, and you're not signing a waiver. Hmm. I bet this uh, company disappears by the time he gets back. Because you're not signing a waiver and things like this can happen. Chapter 8. Something was wrong. Colors returned, but they were a total blur. I struggled to make everything come clear, but I, I couldn't seem to focus on anything. My new body didn't feel right either. I was lying on my back, and I felt as light as a feather. Light enough to float away. Could this be Dirk Davis's tall, muscular body? It, it certainly didn't feel like it. Was this some kind of a trick? I asked myself. Was the picture of Dirk Davis a phony? Was he really a lot smaller than he looked in the photo album? I reached out one of my hands and tried to touch my stomach, but my, my hand felt really weird too. It was small and my arms seemed to be bending in several places at once. What's going on? I wondered, trembling with fright. Why do I feel so weird? Whoa, I cried out as I finally managed to touch my body. Touch my body? Yuck. "'My skin was soft, and it was covered with a fine layer of fuzz. "'I mean, your skin is soft now, homie. "'Help! Miss Carmen! Help! Something's wrong!' I tried to shout, "'but there was something wrong with my voice. "'It came out all tiny and squeaky, like little mouse squeaks. "'I rolled over onto my stomach and tried to get up. "'I spread my arms to balance myself. "'I gasped as I realized my feet weren't even touching the ground. "'I was flying!' What's happening to me? I cried in my squeaky little voice. I floated forward and crashed into a kitchen cupboard. Ow! Help me! I moved my strange new arms and realized I had some control over which way I flew. I felt some weird muscles in my back going into action. Testing my new muscles, I flew over to the kitchen window. Exhausted, I landed on the sill. I turned my head to one side. Then I gasped in fright. A hideous monster was reflected in the window glass. The creature had two huge, glaring eyes, and it was staring right at me. I tried to scream, but I was too terrified to utter a sound. I I have to get away, I decided. I moved my feet and started to run. The monster in the glass ran, too. I stopped and stared at the window glass. The monster stopped and stared back at me. Oh, no. Please, no, I cried. Please don't let it be true. I reached up and tried to cover my eyes. The creature in the window did the same thing. And suddenly, I knew the hideous truth. The monster in the mirror, it was me. Miss Carmen had messed up. Totally. And now, I was trapped inside the body of a bee. Wouldn't have happened if you had walked them six blocks. I'm just saying. Like, stop being lazy. She could have been like, no, nah, I'm going to come to you, homie. My my room ain't clean. And I, I also, also, would your parents want you to have strange adults in your house while they're gone? I know in my house, that was a whooping and a grounding. Both and I didn't even have adults in my house. We got a whooping and grounding for just don't answer this door, don't touch this door, don't look out the peephole, don't do nothing. Because my after we got home from school, my mom didn't get home till like six o'clock, seven o'clock at night, so that was like a good four hours where we were at home by ourselves. And I guess parents back then just swore CPS just gonna show up at the house, like hello, child. Chapter nine I don't know how long I stood there. I couldn't stop staring at my reflection. I kept waiting to come out of this nightmare. I kept waiting to blink my eyes and find myself in Dirk Davis' big, muscular body. But I didn't look at all like Dirk Davis. I had two giant eyes, one on either side of my head, and two skinny little antennas sticking out of my forehead. My mouth was truly disgusting. I had some kind of long tongue, which I soon discovered I could move all around and make longer and shorter if I wanted, which I didn't. My body was covered with thick black hair. I had three legs on either side of my body. And let's not forget the wings sticking out of my shoulders. This is the pits, I cried. I'm a bug. I'm a disgusting, hairy bug. Miss Carmen, something went wrong. Help me. Creak. Slam. What was that? Oh, no. I realized that Miss Carmen had just gone out the kitchen door. No, wait, wait, I squeaked. She was my only hope. I had to catch her. I had to tell her what happened. Miss Carmen, I squeaked. Miss Carmen. Frantically, I flew out of the kitchen into the living room. Out the window, I could see her car still parked out in front of the house. But the front door to the outside was shut and bees can't open doors. I was trapped inside of my own house. The back door. I remembered. Miss Carmen had said it was open just a bit. Yes, that was how all those bees got in the house in the first place. I fluttered my new wings and flew back into the kitchen. As I soared, I realized I was getting more and more control over my flight pattern. But I didn't care about that right now. All I knew was that I had to get to Miss Carmen before she drove away. I darted out the tiny opening in the back door. Miss Carmen, I shouted as I flew around the side of the house. Miss Carmen, please help me. You messed up. I'm a bee. Help me. I'm a be I'm a be I'm a be I'm a be I'm be I'm gonna be eating some I'm a be I'm a be I'mma be I'm a be Sorry, I'm not really sorry. I love that song. My voice was so tiny she couldn't hear me. She opened her car door and started to climb behind the wheel. My only chance for a normal life was about to drive away. What could I do? How could I get her attention? Without thinking, I flew right towards her head. Miss Carmen, I shouted in her ear. It's me, Gary. Miss Carmen uttered a startled cry. Then she drew back her hand and swatted me hard. Pimp slapped the bee. That's how we do it. Ow. My entire body vibrated with pain. The force of her swat sent me falling to the street. I hit the pavement with a painful splat. I shook my head, trying to clear my eyes. That's when I realized I had an extra set of tiny eyes arranged in the kind of triangle at the top of my head. I used in the gaze straight up. And then, I screamed in terror. I saw the tire rolling towards me. Miss Carmen was about to drive right over me. I was about to be squashed like the bug I was. Chapter 10 Oh! I froze in panic. Even with my blurred B vision, I could see the deep treads in the tires that roll steadily towards me. Closer. Closer. I have to move, I told myself. Fly away. Fly away. But in my panic, I forgot how to use my new muscles. I'm going to be squashed, I realized. I uttered a final weak cry. And then the car stopped. Huh? My entire body was trembling. But somehow, I managed to pull myself up. Up into the air. Yes, I was flying now. I could see Miss Carmen inside the car. She was fastening her seatbelt. She had stopped the car to put on her seatbelt. Hey, seatbelts really do save lives, I told myself. I called out to her, but of course she couldn't hear me. I watched the car roll away until it was a blur of color. Then, exhausted and terrified, I buzzed over to a nearby lilac bush and dropped onto a leaf. That was too close, I told myself, in between gas of air. I'm going to get killed out here. A green caterpillar inched its way onto a nearby stem and started chewing noisily on the leaf I was resting on. I'd never examined a caterpillar before. Up close, they look real, real ugly. They look a little bit like dragons, only scarier. Like, for real, dude, what aren't you scared of? It's sad. Keep away from me, I yelled in my tiny voice. The caterpillar didn't even turn its head. Maybe it didn't hear me. I forgot all about the caterpillar when I heard footsteps coming up the front walk. I turned my head and used my sideways eye to see who it was. Mom, I screamed. Mom, over here. She couldn't hear me. She hurried up the steps and into the house. Suddenly, I was overcome by a wave of sadness. My own mother didn't recognize me. You're a bee. What? This isn't the B movie? And that was a weird, weird movie. Are you telling me that a woman fell in love with a B? Like, seriously? Also, Jerry Seinfeld's real name is Jerome. He's the only white Jerome I know. That's wild. But that movie was... Mm -mm. You broke up with your boyfriend for a B, huh? For real? Why not just say I'm good at guitar and, and let it be? I'll figure it out on my own. Desperately, I fluttered my wings and flew away from the leaf. I made my way to the front of the house and started buzzing around the front windows. I had my wings under complete control by now, but the scene I saw inside the house was enough to make me fall down onto the ground again. My mother stood in the living room talking to me. Or at least that's what she thought. Only I knew it couldn't be me. I was stuck outside. But who was in there with my mom? Had Dirk Davis managed to get inside my body? I landed on the ledge and stared into the house. My mom was talking. The boy was nodding and laughing. He said something to her. If I stared closely, I could read his lips. Hey, did you buy taco chips? I'm really starving, mom. That had to be dirt talking inside my body. My mom smiled at him and patted him on the arm. I read his lips and saw that he was calling her Mom again. How could he do that? How could he call my mother Mom? Me, me, me if bees could cry which I now know they can't I would have started bawling right then and there you know what else I don't think doves can cry I don't even know what it sounds like to be completely honest with you I love Prince with all my heart but I really don't think that I, I'm 100% certain that when doves cry it does not sound like hey! <laughs> this is what it sounds like when a dove cries dun dun, dun hey No, 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 Prince. I don't think that's what it sounds like when a dove... (laughs) No, no, I'm pretty certain that's wrong. Who did that boy think he was? For that matter, what kind of mom did I have who couldn't even tell that a total stranger was living inside of her son's body? As I watched myself and my mom chatting in the living room, I totally lost it. Like a crazed maniac, I started bashing my insect body into the window. ''Buzz!'' I cried. ''Buzz, buzz, buzz!'' ''It's me, Gary. Look out here. Help me!'' Again and again, I smashed myself up against the glass, but no one inside the house noticed. After a few minutes, Mom brought the new me a bag of taco chips. I watched Gary rip the bag open and take out a handful of chips. Crumbs fell on the living room carpet as he crunched the spicy chips. I realized I was starving. ''But what do bees eat?'' I asked myself. Desperately, I tried to remember everything I had ever read about the creatures. I thought of a hungry caterpillar, crunching away on the leaf, but I was almost positive bees didn't eat leaves. But what did they eat? Other bugs? Ugh! The thought made me shudder, I'd die before i eat a bug. I buzzed around the yard, hoping to see something, anything I could use for food. As I flew, I found I was getting used to my strange new vision and learning how to work my different sets of eyes. I remember something I read once in an old picture book called The Big Book of Bees. It said the bee eyes had thousands of tiny lenses crowded together. But because they don't have pupils, they can't really focus their eyes. Interesting, I thought, but not very helpful. If I could remember about bees' eyesight, why couldn't I remember what they ate? I settled onto another bush to think, and suddenly I became aware of a wonderful odor nearby. I turned my head and saw a beautiful yellow flower. Then I remembered something else I read. Pollen, I said out loud. Bees eat pollen and they get it from flowers. Excitedly, I flew up into the air and started hovering over the yellow blossom. I tried to open my mouth before I remembered I didn't have that kind of mouth anymore. Instead, I had my long, weird tongue. But how was I supposed to use it to get stuff out of the flower? I didn't have a clue. As I hummed around the air, I realized I was becoming more and more exhausted. If I didn't get something to eat soon, I was going to faint. I started to feel dizzy. I hardly knew where I was. I became more and more confused. My brain got so fuzzy, I even began to wonder if I'd ever actually been a boy at all. Maybe I'd been a bee my entire life, and I just dreamed about being a boy. Slam. Dun, dun, dun. That's how I'm going to do the car door slams from now on. I'm not going to try and do a car door slam sound effect. That What? Slam, though. That works. Dun, 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 dun. Let the boys be boys. Someone closed a car door nearby, and I was startled out of my mental fog. I swiveled my head to look. Dad! He was closing the garage door. Now he was walking across the driveway and heading towards the back door of the house. "'Dad!' I screamed. "'Dad, it's me, Gary. Help me!' "'Hi, Gary,' Dad said. Chapter 11 "'Dad, you can hear me?' I cried joyfully. "'Dad, you gotta help me!' My heart sank when Dad walked right past me and started talking to the fake Gary. Desperately, I started buzzing around and around their heads. "'Looks like Andretti's lost one of his workers,' my dad laughed. He swatted at me with his rolled-up newspaper. A near miss. I darted away. Uh, right, the fake Gary laughed, pretending he knew what dad was talking about. Andretti, okay, so that makes sense. So you take your brain into the other person's body. Right, okay, I'm sorry. Earlier, that was just me just waking up. The best part of waking up is actually being able to realize when you said something stupid during this. And I'm awake now. I realize that. That's on me. That's my bad. Let's help get dinner on, my dad said. He put a friendly hand on my former shoulder. Okay, son. Sure thing, dad. Like best pals, my dad and his phony son crossed the lawn and opened the screen door. Wait, I shouted. Wait! Like a space rocket, I shot through the air after them. If I really put the speed on, I thought I could make it through the door before it closed. Faster, 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 and blam! The screen door banged shut right on top of my tiny bee body. Once again, I sank into a deep pool of blackness. "'Oh, where am I? What happened? Am I still a bee?' "'Still a bee, still a bee, still a bee, still a bee.'" Dazed, I fought my way back to the real world. When I was able to get my eyes open, I realized I was still a bee, a small, frail, slightly damaged bee who had just narrowly missed being scrunched by a screen door. Now I was lying on my back on the grass in our yard. My six legs were thrashing in the air. I was a clutch as a human and I'm a clutch as a bee, I wailed. I tried to flip myself over. I've only been a bee for an hour and I've almost been killed twice. I suddenly knew what I had to do. I had to get to Miss Carmen's office and tell her what happened. I didn't know if I could do it, but I knew I had to try. I let out a small grunt and with huge effort flipped over onto my stomach. Using all five of my eyes, I checked myself out. Both sets of wings seemed to be working, and all my six legs were still there. Okay, I told myself. You can do it. Just fly to the person-to-person office and go inside. I flapped my wings to start take off into the air, but I had only risen about an inch up off the ground when I heard a sound that made my blood run cold. It was Claus, the cat. With his long, sharp claws extended, he leapt through the air. I let out a squeal as he pounced on me, grabbed me in one paw, And began to tighten his claws around my body. Chapter 12 As the cat's claws closed around me, I saw his hideous mouth gape open. Sting him! Sting him! The thought burned into my mind. But something held me back. Something told me not to use my stinger. I suddenly remembered something else I read in the big book of bees. Honeybees die once they use their stinger. No way, I thought. I was still hoping to come out of this alive and back in my old body, so if using my stinger was out, I'd have to use my wits instead. With a loud gnashing of his teeth, Claus snapped his huge mouth shut. He lowered his head, preparing to snap up his furry prize, me. At just the right moment, I burst out of his claws and ducked out from under his gnashing teeth. I tried to shoot off through the air, but the cat whipped out his paw and batted me down. Claws is playing with me as if I was one of the chewed up catnip mouse toys Chrissy always gives him for Christmas. With my last bursts of strength, I spread my wings, shot up through the air, and flew as fast as I could. A backwards look out of one of my eyes told me I left the surprised cat sitting in the grass. For one second, I experienced a wonderful sensation of triumph. You did it, Gary, I crowed to myself. You, a tiny little bee, managed to fight off a great big vicious cat. I was so pleased with myself, I decided to take a little victory lap. I spread my wings out wide and began a big, slow circle in the air. Whap! Oh no, now what? I had crashed right into something. But what was it? It wasn't hard like a wall or a tree. Instead, it was soft and clinging, like cloth, and my feet were all tangled up in it. I struggled to squirm free. I wiggled and pushed, but my legs were caught. I was trapped. The booming laughter made my entire body shake. I suddenly realized where I was. I was caught in Andretti's net. A wave of despair made me slump against the white netting. I knew exactly what would happen next. He would put me in his hives, and I would never get away. Chapter 13 Time to go back to work now, my little buzzing babies, Mr. Andretti sang. Time to get back to work, my honeys. He started to laugh at his stupid pun. My honeys. (laughs) Ha ha. Oh my, wasn't that a good one? Buzz. Buzz. From the loud humming noises in my ears, I knew I wasn't the only bee Andretti caught in his net. In fact, out of my right eye, I could see another bee who looked just like me. He loomed right in front of me and wiggled his antennas in my face. Whoa, what a monster. My wiry legs began trembling with fright. I twist myself around and around, struggling to get away from them. I finally got myself turned the other way, but then I saw I was facing another bee, and another. Each one looked scarier than the last. They all had big bulging eyes and creepy antennas, and they all buzzed menacingly at me. Their frightening hum grew louder and louder as Mr. Andretti caught more bees in the net. Suddenly, the net began to shake, up and down, up and down, like a violent earthquake, until I couldn't even think straight. As the net shook, I lost my footing and fell into a big, squirming cluster of bees at the bottom of the net. Whoa! I stumbled over the pile of wriggling, hairy bees, and as I staggered in terror, bees fell on top of me. A crawling, buzzing nightmare. I've never been so terrified. I screamed in my tiny voice. I tried to climb up the side of the net, but my feet were stuck under another bee's body. How I hated the feel of his disgusting fuzz. In my terror, I knew I had to escape. I had to get away from here. I had to get to Miss Carmen's office and beg her to help me. Then, I had the most terrifying thought of all. If I couldn't escape, I suddenly realized, I'd remain a bee for the rest of my life. What, after the week is over, it doesn't just wear off? As Mr. Andretti carried me and the other bees across his backyard, I started buzzing and shivering with panic. How could this have happened to me, I asked myself. How could I have ever been so stupid as to try to change bodies with somebody else? Why wasn't I happy with the perfectly good body I already had? Mr. Andretti opened the door to the screening area off the side of his garage. We're back now, my little honeys, he cooed. The net started to shake, and I figured out that Mr. Andretti was slowly turning it inside out. One by one he started plucking us, his prisoners, off the sides of the mesh cloth and plopping each one back inside his hanging drawer hives. As Andretti reached for the bees, they started buzzing louder than ever. Finally, it was my turn to be plucked out the net. When I saw the ends of Andretti's grasping fingers reaching for me, I hung back, clinging to the net. I suddenly remembered his bragging speech about how he never used gloves because his bees trusted him. I watched his fingers stretch towards me. It would be so cool to plunge my stinger into a soft, plump skin, I thought. Should I do it? Should I sting him? Should I? Fool, you just said you was going to die. Doing that. Chapter 14. I didn't sting him. I didn't really want to die. Sure, some things look terrible for me right now, but I was still clinging to a shred of hope. Maybe, somehow, I'd find my way out of this bee prison and back into my own body. It didn't seem very likely, but I was determined to keep on trying. In you go, my fuzzy little friend, Mr. Andretti said. He opened up one of the removable drawer-like parts of his hive and dropped me in. Oh, I moaned. It was so dark inside the hive and so confusing. Where should I go? What should I do? The air was hot and wet. Everywhere I turned, I was surrounded by a deafening, droning hum. "I, I, I can't stand it, I cried. I could feel myself totally losing it. All around me, bees scurried around in the darkness. I stayed where I was, too frightened to move. I suddenly realized I was still very hungry. If I didn't get something to eat, I knew I'd never be able to find a way out of here. I spun around and started trying to explore. Out of my left eye, I saw another bee glaring at me. I froze in my tracks. Did bees attack other bees inside their hives, I wondered. I didn't remember reading anything about that in my bee book but this bee really looked ready for a fight. Please leave me alone, I begged in my tiny voice. Please, give me a break. The bee glared back at me. I'd never seen such big, angry-looking eyes. Slowly, I started backing away from him. Uh, I squeaked nervously. I've got to be going now. I, um, I have to get to work. The bee bulged his eyes and wedged his antennas in a threatening way. I was sure he planned to sting me. See, that's how black folks get killed. Y'all just think we angry and y'all be like, he looked at me menacingly and I just knew he was going to do this. So I pulled out my gun that I happened to have on my body and shot him and it turned out he wasn't doing anything. He was just looking. I turned and flew away as fast as I could. I tried to hide. I was so frightened I couldn't even make myself move. What if I bumped into another bee? I couldn't even stand to think about what might happen if I did. I realized I had to move. I had to find something to eat. Shaking with fear, I tiptoed out into the open. I took a nervous look around. On the far wall, I could see a large cluster of bees busily building something. A honeycomb. And where there was a honeycomb, I told myself, there was honey. I've always hated the sweet, sticky goo, but I knew I had to eat some right away. As quietly as I could, I crept over and joined the bee workers. Out of the corner of my eye, I saw them doing really gross things with their mouths. First, they used their legs to pick little flakes of waxy looking stuff off their abdomens. Then they crammed the wax into their mouths and started working their jaws up and down like little chewing machines. Finally, they spit out the wax and used the bill part of the honeycomb they were working on. Yuck! It looked so disgusting, it made me sick. But what choice did I have? I had to eat some honey, even if it was covered with beef spit. I turned my head and practiced sucking my tongue up and down. Then, I slurped up a big puddle of honey. Amazing. For the first time in my life, I actually liked that stuff. Soon, I was sucking it down as if it were chocolate milk. After a while, I got quite good with my tongue, (laughs) which was actually more of a bendable tube than a tongue. It was really the perfect tool for guzzling honey. If I ever made it back to the outside world, I thought I'd now be pretty good at using it for gathering nectar and pollen. Why, I might turn out to be the best worker in the whole hive. I tried to smile, and then I gagged on my honey. What was happening to me? What was I thinking? I was actually starting to feel like a bee. I had to get out of this place before it was too late. I wanted to start searching for an escape route right away, but I suddenly felt so tired, so completely worn out. Was it the honey? Or was it the strain of so much fear? I could barely keep my eyes open. The droning hum grew louder. With a weary sigh, I sank against a clump of hairy bodies. I sank into the warm darkness of the hive, surrounded by the steady buzz. Breathing the sweet aroma of the honey, I sank beside my furry brothers and sisters. I'm one of them now, I told myself weakly. I'm not a boy anymore. I'm a bee, a buzzing bee, a bee sinking into the warm, dark hive. My home, sinking, sinking. Chapter 15. I woke up with a start and tried to brush a bee away from my face. It took me a few moments to remember. I wasn't lying in my backyard anymore trying to keep the bees away from me. I was a bee. A bee trapped inside of a hive. I jumped up, took a step, and immediately came face to face with another bee. I couldn't tell if he was the same one I had seen the night before, but he looked just as angry. They all looked just alike. His big eyes were bulging with rage, and he was moving deliberately towards me. As fast as I could, I spun around and flew away. Of course, I had no idea where I was going. The hive seemed to be made up of a lot of long, dark hallways. All around me, groups of bees were building honeycombs. As they worked, they kept up a steady buzz. The sound was really driving me off the wall. I began searching for a way out. I wandered in and out, in and out throughout the dark, sticky honeycombs. From time to time, I shot out my tongue and lapped up some honey. I was getting a little tired of the sweet stuff, but I knew I had to keep up my strength if I wanted to try to break out of the hive. As I searched for a way to escape, I noticed that every single bee seemed to have an assigned job, either building honeycombs, caring for the babies of the queen or whatever. And the little bugs never stopped working. They were busy as bees from morning until night. Darting through the tangled darkness, I began to lose hope. There's no way out, I decided. No way out. I sank unhappily to the sticky high floor, and as I dropped, three large bees moved in front of me. They buzzed angrily, bumping up against me with their hairy, damp bodies. It was easy to see that these bees were angry with me. Maybe it was because I wasn't doing my job, but what was my job? How could I tell the bees I didn't know what I was supposed to be doing? I tried to slip past them, but they moved to block my path. Three tough bees, made me think of Barry, Marv, and Carl. I shrank back as one of them pointed his stinger at me. He was getting ready to kill me, and I didn't even know what I had done. I screamed and whirled around. As fast as my six legs would carry me, I darted back down the narrow hallway and turned another corner. Oh, I bumped hard into another bee. Luckily, he was hurrying off somewhere and barely seemed to notice me. I gasped with relief, and then an idea came to me. Where was that bee going in such a hurry? Was he taking something somewhere? Could he be going to an area I hadn't searched yet? I decided to follow him and find out. I needed to learn everything I could about the hive. Maybe, just maybe, it would help me escape. I hurried after the bee. I thought I'd find him quickly, but he was already long gone. I searched in and out among the different honeycombs, but I couldn't find him anywhere. After a while, I gave up. Way to go, Lutz the Klutz, I scolded myself. I felt worse than ever. I shot out my tongue and slurped up a big helping of honey to keep myself going. Then my endless searching began again. Whoa! I stopped when I reached an area that looked familiar. I was pretty sure it was a place where Andretti had dropped me when he first put me into the hive. All at once, a large group of angrily buzzing bees crowded against me. Hey, I protested as they shoved me forward. They replied with a sharp rising buzz. What were they doing? Why are they attacking me? Were they all going to sting me at once? They had me surrounded. I couldn't run away. But how could I possibly fight off all these bees? I was doomed, I realized. Finished. Sighing in defeat, I closed my eyes and started to shake and waited for them to swarm over me. 916-633-1537 Wretched and Wretched at gmail.com Wretched Book Club on Twitter Wretched Book Club on Facebook You can leave a review on Spotify It takes like 13 seconds You can also leave a review on uh, Podchaser Copy and paste that in the Apple Podcast And then copy and paste that into the Good Pods app You can donate to the show at patreon.com Slash single simulcast One dollar will get you a ton of content uh, you can also donate to the show at buymeacoffee.com or on the Good Pods app. You can leave a tip in the tip jar. Thank you so much for listening. I greatly appreciate it. Y'all be good. I'm going to holler at you later. Peace.